Um, <coughs> if Bernie's a prophet, <laughs> that'd be good, the last sermon. <laughs> hey, it's, it's so late in church time, it could be. We don't know. His coming is imminent with uh, all that's happening around the world. And, uh, and tomorrow is the Feast of the Trumpets. <laughs> uh, it's a Jewish New Year. Uh, this is the one we're going to wrap these guys in. So that's uh, if we can get those printed. I'll be talking to Elise afterwards <laughs> and see if she can um, do something about that for us. <clears throat> Revelation. I've worked on a few jobs with Uncle Ray. He, he owns bulldozers too. <laughs> and uh, his son owns them, a cousin. And his son-in-law owns them. If we assembled them all, the big, I don't know how many, 20, 25 of them, earth-moving machines. But we've never been on one job at the same time. That would be interesting. <laughs> but once he was there with my cousin, he turned up to Stephen's job and... Stephen was dozing away, pushing dirt into the bank of a dam. And uh, Stephen's, it was a dinner time, and, and Stephen, Uncle Ray got on and said, I'll do a few more runs while you have lunch. He said, I, just a minute, I want to get me baked beans off the dozer. No, 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 I'll just do a few runs, I'll give you your baked beans. You see, you put a tin of baked beans down there, the exhaust pipe, and it's pretty hot there. <laughs> so Uncle Ray starts pushing away, and kaboom! <laughs> And baked beans went all under the bonnet, all over the engine, all through the radiator. <laughs> that was Stephen's lunch. <laughs> but you sort of remember those things when they happen. <clears throat> As Troy said in Sunday school, it's fun being a Christian. <laughs> and you can do things in workplaces with fellow Christians. Um, hey, the guy that got Earth Moving going, what was his name? Can you remember? Latorno, and I was just reading some in actually one of John Ecob's books about Tarsius, about Latorno. He, his philosophy in giving to the church he was in was give 90% and only keep 10%. <laughs> and it worked. He, he developed machines, great big earth moving, what we call scrapers, that could carry 50, 50 cubic metres or yards then of dirt. And that's a lot of weight. And God gave him that ability to invent and, and make things. And their church, their church was 2,000 or 1,000 missionaries. I think it was 2,000 missionaries they supported. And uh, that was some years ago. And God has used them to spread that message everywhere, the, the good message of the gospel. Well, let's get into Revelation. <clears throat> Revelation 22. And uh, Bernie, it's not the last sermon, where are you? <laughs> in the book of Revelation. <laughs> We've got one more. We're going to go back to one of the verses in this chapter. I think it, it's, it's a summary of the Bible. Next time we get together on Revelation. And that, <clears throat> that is one that we've already passed over lightly. We come to the culmination of the book and of the Bible. Which was the last book written? You know, the... the Bible books are not in order of date. They're, they're put together in order of thought. And that's the way the Bible's been assembled. But which was the last book written? 
Mal said that, you're hesitant. It is the book of Revelation. And so this is the last prophecy that was given. Which was the first book written? Genesis. Genesis. By whom was it written? Moses. Moses, yes. So it's good to know those things. And it's good to know where the New Testament books were written because it, it has a, a bearing on their interpretation from what you find in the book and what was happening in, ch in, in churches at that time, in that decade. And <clears throat> you see, Revelation's written in 90 AD. How long had the church been already going at that time? About 60 years. 60 years, the church had already been functioning. And so when you come to the messages to the seven churches in the start of Revelation, you have, uh, <laughs> it already started right in there, and those prophecies were be being fulfilled even at the time. So we've covered a lot of territory. Let's go back to, Je to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. <clears throat> we've emphasized this um, many months ago, years we can say, <laughs> when we were going past Revelation 1.19. Write the things that thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And so John, this is the basic outline of the book of Revelation. The things you have seen, and that's just chapter 1 there, that we saw those things. The things which are, chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation, and the things that shall be hereafter, as you begin in chapter 4 of Revelation, after this, the things after, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and that's future, after the things which are, which were the churches. And so it's easy to outline, and we've covered these things. Finally, we've arrived at the end, or exit, of the book and of the Bible. It's here that we receive a trio of final things that, are, that is in the outline you have there in the bulletin. As we look at these verses today, let's notice together the conclusion of the book. The ministry of the Word of God verses 6 to 10, the message from the Son of God, verses 11 to 16, and the mandates from the Spirit of God. As we look at this, let us pray before we do. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the many blessings and promises we find written in your word from cover to cover. And as we come to the conclusion of this, the book of Revelation and of the Bible, my, may we be challenged and encouraged, excited, uplifted, and looking forward to your coming. And Lord, it could be today, we don't know. And Lord, I pray that we might be earnest and fervent about our spiritual life until then, until you come. We pray, Lord, for those that cannot be here we, for sickness reasons, Lord, for ill health or age and Lord, undergird and minister to them. And if they are listening in, may they be blessed with us as the word is opened. We do pray for uh, the Evans family in Japan, that through this earthquake it might give them opportunity to minister uh, physically and spiritually to the Japanese people there. Lord, there is uh, things happening and these things are designed by you. These things are used by you, Lord, to, to do something in the heart of people, to know that we're not as big as we think we are. And there is a mighty God on the throne in heaven, and earth is his footstool. And Lord, he does whatsoever he pleases. And I pray that this might be used to awake people. And also in Fiji, be with the Manny family, 
and their opportunities might be many as they run the school and preach the word in the church there. And that the, <clears throat> even through the earthquake there, and we know not the results of that, we, we pray that you would minister to their physical and spiritual needs. Lord, we need you every hour. We need you this hour. No man can preach the word but by the spirit of the truth of the word, Lord, and by the spirit of, the, of God, the Holy Spirit. Minister to our hearts and open them to the word of God. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we have the ministry of the word of God, first of all, seen here. In verse 6, and he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Now, we could quickly conclude, well, it all must have happened then or early in church history. <laughs> Hey, you read through Revelation and these things have not happened. Some try to claim it, that it's all fulfilled. It's not a fulfilled book. <laughs> it's from chapter 4 and forward, it's still yet to happen. And you get the clue in the next verse, Behold, I come quickly. You see, so, well, he didn't come. He made a promise. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. He didn't come quickly. But no, when he comes, he will come quickly. <laughs> And that's what we need to understand. It's not that he'll come quickly then. He'll come quickly when he does come. And there will be no time to change your mind to say, oh, I should have done this and should have done that as a Christian or as a non-Christian. I should have believed. Too late. So the ministry of the word of God here, its accuracy is 100%. The accuracy of the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Key verse for the Christian, isn't it? It's God-breathed. The Bible is an accurate book. There's no corruption in it whatsoever, and that's why with all the new versions and perversions, we have to be very careful of what we read. Has they, have they had an intent in what they wrote, what they excluded, and what they included? Yeah. <clears throat> and even going back to the manuscripts from which they took their version is important. We hear, except the majority text, the received text is called. It's where they gathered all 5,000 text, Greek text for the New Testament to compare one with the other and it's called the majority text because they chose well that's the time that word is used it's used 3,000 times that's the majority most of it was close to 5,000 times that's it that's the word used they did a wonderful job when they put together what the Bible we use the King James I mean they did hours of work without computers it'd be so easy today just to type the word in <laughs> Oh, well, it's in 5,000 texts. It's 4,999 texts. Put it in. But you see, it's important to keep the word accurate. God inspired the word of God. God breathed. But he also preserved the word of God. Do you think God's able to? Yes. <laughs> you have to believe that. Otherwise, we, we'd be reading a book here that's not true, not accurate. I believe in preservation of the scriptures as in the inspiration of the scriptures. Back in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, <clears throat> we read 
In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, these words. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, speaking of the scriptures, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's incorruptible seed. God has intended it. He's, he has the strength, the ability. He's omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing, and he can do that and preserve the word of God. Praise God that he's done that for us. Aren't you pleased we have the scriptures <laughs> as they are given? Back in the book of Psalms, chapter 19 and verse 7. I, I can tell I'm getting old, but when I was studying this, I was thinking, that sum, where is that sum? You know, it used to just come like that, and it won't come anymore like that. So you pray for the old pastor. <laughs> just, it, I, I, I'm sort of envious of people who grow older and as sharp as a tack. <laughs> you know, you talk to them, hey, John Ecob, if you're listening. <laughs> He just can have the facts of history and kings and he just bang, bang, bang like that. If you've heard him speak or read his books. But here in Psalm 19, I eventually found this one. I had to look up a concordance. What's going wrong with me? But here, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testament of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the ordinances there, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Wonderful words about the word of God. <laughs> hey, they can be trusted. They are accurate. When, you, when you're wanting something that's right, Go to the book. Go to the Bible. Completely, 100%. And you say, well, scientifically, it's not. Yes, it is. Wherever it touches on scientific matters, it's right. The book about who is Tarsus, what country is that, that has been printed, it's out there, is 21 references to Tarsus in the scriptures. So you really need to know where it is because it has a lot to do with the end times. Uh, <coughs> But just looking at the scriptures, it's 100% accurate. When, when they refer to something, whether it be scientific or not, it, it's true. <laughs> and in the book there about Tarshish, he's, he, the, it was John Ecob wrote about the history from the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Where did they all go? Who are the Shemites? Who are the Hamites? Who are the Japhethites? <laughs> and where they ended up. And there's 53 records in English from England and Ireland that give a, a tracing of the kings and people that ruled from Japheth down to, to, to the time they wrote that. That's dead accurate. And this has not been printed in secular history books because you know what? <laughs> It comes up with Noah. What happened in Noah's day? A flood. And they want to deny the flood as they want to deny the Lord's coming. They, don't, they want to believe in evolution, so they have to get rid of Noah. That history is not right. Hey, when 53 times it's been recorded and all the names of the people down from in lineage have been recorded in secular history, I think they should sit up and listen to their own historians. 
let alone the Bible. <laughs> this is dead accurate. Aren't you glad we have the scriptures? And you can go to them and thank the Lord for those historians that weren't Christians, like the likes of Josephus that wrote about Tarsus and what, who it was way back 2,000 years ago, a Jewish historian and other historians prior to him. Uh, Ezekiel that wrote about it, 600 B BC, and wrote about that place. So I think it's good to dig up, find these things. Let's move on. <laughs> the authority of the word of God. Verse 7, <clears throat> behold, I come quickly. That's what God has said and that's what God will do, the Lord Jesus. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. He's talking particularly about the book of Revelation, but also about the revelation of God. Keep the words of the book. I went back to Deuteronomy and the last words of Moses to the children of Israel before he died and before they entered into the promised land. He, he used the word keep, 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 keep. <laughs> if you read through his instructions to them in Deuteronomy 4, 5 and 7, there he said, keep the word. Because if you keep the word, God will be with you. God will bless. God will empower your work and ministry. God will empower you to take the country, the promised land, for your possession. But you've got to keep the word. God, God will honour his promises if we keep the word. There are some promises God has given that he's going to keep whether we keep keep or not and we can thank the Lord for that because we're prone to sin <laughs> um, <clears throat> keep the word the authority of the word ought to change our, ad our attitude to water and we ought to honour and respect the word of God it is the Lord Jesus he is the living word isn't he he declared to be so in John's gospel um, <clears throat> blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book and I, John, saw these things. Now, now if, you keep, if you're going to keep them, you have to know what they're talking about. <laughs> so you have to under, study Revelation and say, well, what revelations God has given. <laughs> you've got to see the vision that John saw of the Lord Jesus when he turned to see the voice that spoke with him and saw the Lord Jesus in a glorified state. See the Lord. Keep the word that is given. Uh, <clears throat> the Lord declares here he's coming and gives a command. Keep the word. Back in the book of, oh well, back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3, we have, find this written. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of the prophecy of this and keep those things that are written. Start and finish of this book, there's the promise. If for those that keep the words. John fourteen fifteen reads, If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments and if we don't read the bible how do we know what his commandments are james chapter 1 22 to 25 if we had time we'd look that up keep the words of the book in verses 8 and 9 and john saw these things i john saw them and heard them and when i heard and seen i fell down to worship before the feet of the angel that showed me these things so john worships the angel and he's rebuked for doing so Hey, listen, even if we had an angelic vision, and we're not going to get them, even if we did, what would the angels say? Worship him that's written in the book, not me. I'm just a fellow servant. Isn't that interesting? We could stop on every one of these. Angels are fellow servants with who? 
with us. That means they are ministering on our behalf. And as you read through Hebrews and other books of the scripture, you find that's indeed so. You know, if you offend one of these little ones, children, they're angels. It says they're angels. God appoints angels to look after and take care of those that will be his children. It's amazing what God is doing that we can't see that's happening on our behalf. <clears throat> so don't worship me. Remember what the Lord did when he was tempting the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew eight verse uh, Matthew 4, verse 8 and following. Satan said, if you will fall down and worship me, Satan's a fallen angel, then I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He, 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 and he has the authority to do that at that time. And he's trying to get a hold of them still. <laughs> but the Lord said, the Lord only shalt thou worship. The authority of the word of God, not of the angels. They're just messengers. They're servants like we are. Verse 9, then said he to me, see thou do it not. I'm your fellow servant. And of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them who keep, this, keep the sayings of this book, worship God. Right to that Matthew, as we've just referred, 4 verses 8 to 10. The accessibility of the word of God is under the ministry of the word of God here. The third point in verse 10. And he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. You see, if you go back to chapter 2 and 3, the sayings of the book is talking about seven churches. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I think that's seven. <laughs> That's for now. That's for the church, for all the church, for all time. Listen to what he said there. Keep the sayings. Read these things. Seal not these things that have given the accessibility to the word of God. The Bible is not a closed book, is it? It's a closed book to those who don't want to read it and read it for the wrong reason to, to critique, criticize and tear it apart. It's an open book to all who are led by the Spirit of God. The Word of God can be seen and understood. And the more you read it through and through and through, the more you get it how it all fits together. And that's what we're going to endeavour to do, Lord willing, when we consider again chapter 21 and verse um, <clears throat> 3, I believe it is. That God wants a tabernacle with man. That's his intent from the beginning to the end. He wants to dwell with us. He's created us so. Wonderful thought that God wants to live with you. You know what? If you're a Christian, what is he doing? What is God doing? Where is he? He's in us. He's in us. It says in this, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He wants a tabernacle. Well, he is. <laughs> And where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst as well. Corporate fellowship. So uh, that's God's desire. Let's leave that sermon for another week. <laughs> but the accessibility of the word of God, not a closed book, it's an open book. Now, listen, as you study church history, the darkest period of 2,000 years of church history was called the Dark Ages. Why was it called the Dark Ages? Because... 
the Roman Catholic, let's name them for who they are, took the book from the people. They would not have it printed in the common tongue. And when the book, the Bible began to be printed in the common tongue, they hunted and hounded everyone that did it. They persecuted, killed and cruised, uh, you know, martyred them. And, and that's why back in chapter 17 of Revelation, it says, you've shed blood, your blood will be shed. And it's talking about a religious system that has so clouded the minds and darkened the world by the rescinding of the word, taking the word from the people. You see, if, if I only had the Bible and I then, and you didn't have it, I could tell you what I wanted and how I wanted to get what I wanted out of you. And that's not what God intended for people in pulpits. And, and they are to give the light, show the light, <laughs> let the people read the light and the Bereans more more. more were more noble in that they studied the scriptures when they heard the preacher to see if these things were so. That's what we need today. And, and the, the sad thing is that people, now lots of things go up on overheads, the scriptures, the hymns, everything goes up, but they don't bring their what? <laughs> they bring their Bibles to church. That's, that's bad. <laughs> that's going in one direction to being ignorant of the word. And let me also say, if you have children in this world, you are to train them to read, to study, because if you don't, they could also become ignorant of what is in the Word because they can't read it for themselves. They can't reason for themselves. They need to be able to do that. And it's upon our head if we deter people from being able to read the Word of God. Study the scriptures to see these things. The accessibility of the word of God is vitally important. Don't restrict it. The dark ages come on this world until the time of reformation when the reformers started saying, hey, wait a minute, and these are guys that had access to the Bible. Martin Luther, for instance, he, he said, wait a minute. It's not all about the book of James. It's also in Romans that by faith we believe. And that's how we become believers. <laughs> that's how we become God's children. We're all saints, not just ones that the Catholic Church says are saints. We're all saints. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> just read it for yourself. And I can imagine the commoner, the farmer that could read and got a copy of the scriptures in those days and he started reading it. He would, his mind would boggle and say, <laughs> but that's not what they teach down at the local Catholic Church. <laughs> that's not what... No. Why have they been deceiving us? Why have they been hiding this, this from us? And that's what Andrew's doing in Israel, saying <laughs> he's got one track there at the front, on the front of the tract in Israel. Why are the rabbis lying to you? Can you imagine how that goes down with the rabbis? <laughs> and he's handing it out and he hands it to a rabbi. <laughs> of course they would get upset. And that's what they're doing to their people. That's what they did in the Old Testament, isn't it? even in the, amongst the Jewish nation. That's why God had to dis, dismantle the Jewish nation for a time until he's going to bring them back one day. <laughs> ah, the access to the word of God. Do we appreciate that we have the Bible in our laps, in our homes, in our studies, that we can go to at any time of the day and read it? Do we appreciate that? 
It's cost people their lives without number for all that to come to us. Read the word, keep the word. The accessibility of the word of God is so important. Praise God for it. Open for all to read <clears throat> the message from the Son of God. So there's a ministry of the Word of God and the message from the Son of God. Verses 11. When we get to heaven, I won't be the preacher there, but I can imagine if there is instruction to be given and whoever is giving it, the Lord Jesus, whoever, will be able to sit down for days without number, without getting hungry, uncomfortable, the seat's getting too hard, I can't stand sitting here anymore. I need to get out of here. <laughs> do you feel like that in the sermon sometimes? Maybe you do. <laughs> but just go on and on and listen to the word of God. Over in the Old Testament, when they hadn't had the word for so long, when Nehemiah and Ezra and those guys got up and read the word of God, the people were, oh, wow. And they stood all day and all night to listen to it. Peter, Paul preached all night so much so that the fellow fell out the window asleep. And uh, they revived him down on the bottom story. They loved the word. But anyway, praise God. I pray that you're in the word of God. Memorize the word of God. Um, <clears throat> thank God for those in the church here that have memorized the New Testament. That takes time. Uh, it, will be, it will be rewarded for those that have done that. The message from the Son of God, it settles what we are. Verse 11 he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. They say, whoa, wait a minute. I thought God wanted us to change. He does. But reading it in its context, what does it mean, these things? He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. So <clears throat> the message from the Son of God, it settles what we are. Jesus is the great divider. Where a man stands in regard to the Lord Jesus determines his condition here and hereafter. And this is what it's saying. When the Lord comes, and he, when he comes quickly, this is the way it will be. He that is unjust, he that is filthy, will be unjust and filthy still. There's not time to switch camps. <laughs> Too late. He that's righteous, let him be righteous. He that's holy, let him be holy. And so understand what that's meaning. <clears throat> what it means because the Lord Jesus the son of God is the judge of all people so when he comes we won't be able to try to say well I'm going to do right now no no too late all said and done all stitched up judgment begins but it's, it's happened he comes too quickly for that <clears throat> behold 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 it reads, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not then, not in the future. Like Troy was saying in the, at our class this morning when he heard about the Lord Jesus and his parents had gotten saved before him. And he thought, well, I'll, I'll just enjoy the world a bit more or, you know, put it off, put it off for a while. But then he realised, no, you're going to make a decision. You don't know when these things can transpire, when you're going to be taken out of this world through death. You've got to be ready now. You're either God's child or you're a child of the devil. And it's cut and dry. Whose are you? Are you a son of God? A child of God in the church? Saved, redeemed, or why are you going to hell? That's it. You're in one or the other camp. There's no other. 
the message from the Son is settles what we are now. It settles where we are. Verse 12. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every, every man according to his work shall be. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Yep. <clears throat> it settles where we are. Each is judged or his work, everyone's work is judged is what he's saying here. <clears throat> and this is, this is given and reiterated in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 13 where it talks about the judgment of Christians. We all stand before the Lord. <clears throat> and it says there that some shall be saved yet as by fire. They just, as it were, scraped into heaven, but they brought no works with them. Some will get in there and have, as Peter says, an abundant entrance. Welcome to heaven. I can imagine that Paul got that. George Mueller got that, you know. <laughs> Missionaries, Stud got that. Those guys that did completely surrender to the Lord and they were welcomed in with the rolling out of the red carpet to heaven. And here the Bible says, His reward is with him when he comes. Be ready when he comes. If you're filthy when he comes, it's too late. If you're unholy, it's too late. If you're righteous, praise God. You'll be rewarded for it. And we haven't time to look at those references. In First, Second Corinthians 5.10, it talks about the beamer seat of the Lord Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ, where Christians will appear. Um, <clears throat> verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. <laughs> it's been repeated a few times through Scripture, hasn't it? The Lord speaking. Blessed are they that do his commandments, in verse 14, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into it through the gates, may enter in through the gates into the city. <clears throat> the tree of life, just spoken about, was it last week or two weeks ago? But blessed are they that do his commandments. Are you doing his commandments? What is the book of James all about? Luther called it a book of straw because it was all about works that showed that you were saved, not that you got saved through works. That's what he didn't get from James. He got that from Romans. But we are to do good things. How do we know we're Christians? By doing things for others and for the glory of God. And it settles where we are. Some will be in Jesus and they will be doing the works that the Lord Jesus wants them to do. Now, we do not preach a social gospel at this church, do we? A social gospel is where you do all these things to be a, become a Christian. No, we don't preach that. We say you do these things because you are a Christian. And then you are rewarded according to what you've done. <clears throat> Access to the tree of life. Will you have that? Are you in the Lord Jesus Christ? Has your soul been saved by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. For without, notice this, there are those that are in and those that are out. <laughs> those that are out are in, ver in verse 15. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. <clears throat> These are the ones that are without. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> lost forever. The greatest agony of hell will be the knowledge that it didn't have to end this way. I didn't have to be here, but I am. Nothing can change it. 
Once death happens, there is no purgatory. <laughs> that is, there's no such thing in the scripture. There's no time of punishment where you can pay for your sins as you roast in hell for a while. No, that's not in the scripture. Once you're dead, all choices are finished. Ah, <clears throat> it settles where we're going to be. Some are in the Lord, some are out the Lord, without the Lord. And what a regret. You imagine those two that were crucified with the Lord Jesus. One repented and one didn't. And only a few hours later, they're into their place for eternity. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, to the repentant thief. And he could, he was just, wow. He, imagine what he was thinking. I live my life to please myself, but on the last few hours of my life, I met the Lord Jesus. And now I have eternity with him. And the other guy, on the other side, with the rich man, Lazarus, that story. He's in torment. Oh, that I had believed what was said on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know what, know what they do, the Lord Jesus said. And it is finished. That cry was that the provision for salvation had been completed through the Lord Jesus. Oh, that I had believed, but now I can't change my mind. It's too late. If I could only go back and tell all the people on earth. No, they have the prophets and they have the Bible, says the word of God. It settles whose we are. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and the morning star. <clears throat> we are his the great lover of the church, the Lord Jesus. It ought to be a joy to our heart to know that we belong to him, the bright and the morning star. If you're not saved, he's not the bright and morning star. He will be the judge of your soul and your works. Remember <clears throat> what the Lord said in Matthew 22. We've studied that in the evening service a couple of weeks ago. The Lord asked the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, he said, whose son is Christ? Whose son is he? And they knew they, they, they were on the horns of a dilemma. If they answered this, they were wrong, they'd get into trouble. If they answered it this way, they were in trouble. They couldn't answer. Well, we're not going to say. Well, neither am I going to tell you. <laughs> but <clears throat> whose son is he? He's the son of David. How can he be called? How can David call him Lord if he's his son? That doesn't happen. <laughs> And they couldn't figure that out. But the scripture, if they knew the scriptures, they could. Because he would be of the lineage of David. And he'd be born, the son of God. Whose son is he? Depends on how you answer that as to where you're going to spend eternity. If you say, oh, he's just one of those prophets from the Old Testament. Oh, he, 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 was, he was born into time and, and goes on for eternity, JWs. No, you're lost. There's so many other perversions of the truth of who the Son of God, he is the eternal Son of God that has always existed, that created the worlds and will judge everybody that's been in this world. And under him all must come to be saved. He is the bright and the morning star. <clears throat> 
There are all these Bible verses I'd love to look up. First Peter 1.19 speaks of that, him being the bright and morning star. <clears throat> the one, the Lord Jesus. The mandates from the Spirit of God are given in the last verses 17. The Spirit and Bride say, come. <clears throat> Here's the last invitation of the Scriptures. Come, it is. Come. What a great word. Come. <clears throat> Have you invited anyone to come? Is there a soul in heaven because you've said to them, come? Have you invited your children to come to the Lord Jesus? The last invitation of God to the world through the Spirit is come. We see the last inviters, the Spirit and the Bride to say, come. Those who have drank well of the blessings of the Lord, we could say, say, come. The Bride is the church. They say what? Come. Some churches today are saying, come and do good works and you'll get there. Come and obey our religion and you'll get there. No, no. Come and get baptised and you'll get there. No. Come and join the church and you'll get there. No. Come to the Lord by the conviction of the Spirit in your heart and you'll get to heaven. He, the pearly gates, will open. And mandates from the Spirit, the last welcome, the last invitation, the last inviters, the bride... And the Spirit, the last invited, as we read in that verse, let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, take, let him take of the water of life freely. Isn't that a wonderful theme from, from the beginning to the end? There's the blood in the book from beginning to end, but the water of life. And I think it really comes to the fore in the children of Israel, in the wilderness, where the rock was clave, split, and waters gushed out and met the needs of the millions of people and animals that were there in the desert. And so when the Lord was smitten on the cross, even by his Father, to bear our sins, waters gushed out and flowed to meet the needs of every individual that's born according to the New Testament, that they might have life eternal. So the last, are invi last one's invited here, those who are thirsty here, you know, when you've worked a hard day in the hot sun and you come in and you haven't had a drink all day, don't do that. You're going to have a stroke from that, <laughs> I found out. <laughs> but uh, drink. Wonderful to feel that cool water. And you can gulp a whole glass down and another one too <laughs> with Gatorade or whatever they call it in it. To, to, but the, the clear water of the word of God, we're in a barren land, are we not? In this world, we're on a prodigal planet and we can come to the water of life, the Lord Jesus, and drink. But how many people go to the broken cisterns according to Isaiah 55? The broken cisterns of this world and try to drink, as Troy mentioned this morning. The world did not satisfy him. We have to get to a point where the things of this world, the money of this world, the things of this world, do not content your soul before you look up like Nebuchadnezzar and say, he is on the throne. And I am satisfied with what he will provide. Living water flows from the throne of God. And isn't it interesting that in eternity there will be the river of life? <laughs> you know, the water's there, past, present and future, to meet the needs, spiritual needs. So <clears throat> there's the last warning. I mean, there's the last welcome. There's the last warning in verse 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to these things... 
God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Oh, it is dangerous to tamper with the word of God. You read the history of those that did the NIV and how he lost his voice when he was going to to do something contrary to the word of God. Don't mess with the word of God. Don't change the word of God. And And that's why when we come to the scriptures, we must interpret them rightly. Because if we come and misinterpret the word of God and don't know what it means and implant our thought in there, we're in trouble with God. That's what the Bible says. Not only here, but in many places. If you mess with the word of God and try to change it to, 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 to meet what you would like it to say, to, to, to adjust it to your lifestyle, you're in danger of offending God and, and inviting God's judgment. There's a warning here. I've written here, people who pick and choose what they want to believe are guilty. They dilute its message. They deny its truth. They water down its doctrines and ignore its warnings. They will face divine judgment. Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. All of it will last forever. (laughs) Get used to it. Read it. Uh, don't adjust it, but adjust yourself to it. And I, <clears throat> I remember doing the gearbox up of the, the D6, so pull all the shafts out, pull all the bearings, the gear, everything, everything out, and putting back, putting them back. And I was it took about a week, get it out of the dozer, pull it all the bits and put it back. And I'm putting the shaft in, and I put one of the main bearings in, it's about that big. I put it in, I put the shaft in, it just wouldn't go that little bit. I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> and I had put a bearing that had a, a right angle turn instead of a curved turn. And this bearing's about $250 each. And I didn't want to destroy that. How can I get it out without racking it? <laughs> but got it out, but it was just didn't fit. Now, I could have made it fit. I could have used a big hammer to make it fit. <laughs> But when I started and drove it, it wouldn't have lasted very long. It was around the wrong way. Pull it out. It took about five hours and put it back right. <laughs> and it was still working. <laughs> but you see, we can come to the Word of God and think, well, that's just a little change. It's just a little chamfer. Take a little slither. <laughs> but no, it's got to be dead accurate. Don't tamper with the word. The last warning is there. Don't tamper with the word. The last word is verse 21 and 22. I just feel I've jumped over so much today. (laughs) But we're only limited by time, aren't we? In verse 19, we'll read that one. If any man take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in it. That is serious. If you're willing to change the word of God, it means you're not a true believer. That's what it's saying in those, those verses there. <clears throat> and the last word, 20 to 21, he who testifies these things says, surely I come quickly, even so come, Lord Jesus. What's the word that Christians use for that phrase there? Maranatha. Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> the last word, from a word from the Saviour. <laughs> Behold, I come quickly. There's a great hope. In Titus it tells us that, 
a blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Maranatha. 1 John 3, verses 1 to 3, speak about that. And that hope of the Lord coming imminently at any time makes us live our life like he's going to turn up and we live it holy. We live it right and righteously. And the word from the, saint, <coughs> from the saints, the grace of our... Oh, sorry. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And the last word, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And Bernie said, say... Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We're homeward bound. It's not going to be long. Hey. <clears throat> when your family and your friends start dying around you, you know you're getting close. <laughs> and that's happening to us. You, you, you younger fellas don't realise that, but it can happen to us at any time, young or old. Doesn't have to be old to die. But we all wait with anticipation for the Lord to come because we're going home. This is not home. This is a temporal testing ground until we get there to heaven. Let's pray for those that aren't saved. With things that are moving and things that are afoot, we need to be ready every day, every hour, every moment. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for the conclusion of this book. Thank you for the warnings and the chidings of it. May we adjust ourselves to it and not try to change it when we don't like it. May we believe it and behave accordingly. Lord, if there be a person here today that's not a Christian, may the urgency of the hour, the things that are transpiring around the world that you are allowing and causing even, bring them to look at the word of God and what is the answer to life and find it in the one person, the Lord Jesus. He's the way, the truth and the life. May they come to him by faith, repenting of their sin and believing on the Lord Jesus. What a blessing to get in before it's too late. And bless us as we part. May we go our way sharing the word of God. Lord, give us listening ears, people that will be willing to talk this week as we go our way, our family and our friends, our neighbourhood, open their hearts that they may come to with us home to heaven. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.